0: And welcome to the Louisville podcast. Well, here we are once again jumping into our series called Message Notes, where Gordon and myself take a deeper look at the recent teaching from this past Sunday. Today, we're looking at Gord's Easter message He is risen, He is risen indeed. I've got to say that today's episode so far has been one of my favorites. Anytime I'm able to get Gord fired up about what he's passionate about, man, he just starts to preach. And honestly, I kind of just let him go with it. It was a lot of fun. I'm pumped that you're here with us today, and I can't wait for you to listen in on this conversation. Let's dive in. Well, how's it going today, Gord? Good.
1: Yeah. Good to see you. You good. had a good weekend. I
0: did. Yeah. I mean, it was a great Easter celebration, and you know, yeah. we got to lean into that, right? He is risen. He's risen indeed. That's right. Yeah. And uh, we're so glad that you guys are tuning in and listening. And and I know for for you and I, Gord, we love doing this. It's a, yeah. Oh yeah. This is great. It's just a great time for us to sort of kick back and reflect on on the teaching, but then also go maybe a little step further
1: yeah and in the stuff because you can't say it all we've said that before you can't oh, yeah. say it all so maybe we get to say a little more of it here
0: yeah exactly so yeah. we hope that uh for you guys listening that this is beneficial well as always i like to start things with a little light-hearted fun and you had mentioned uh starbucks you quoted who you got the stat from i'm not sure i forget who it was yeah but
1: uh I James can't... Emery White. That's who he's was, a, yeah. the pastor of Mecklenburg. Oh, okay. Church in the states. Okay. He's a Gordon Conwell alum, and he's a Gordon Conwell prof. Oh, very nice. Alongside being a pastor, very thorough, and if he has a strength, it's culture. Okay. And so he's. Always in tune with the culture.
0: Interesting. So his strength would be um, like the current culture, or also like the like um, the New Testament, Old
1: Testament culture. Or... No, no, more more um, cultural trends today. Ah, fascinating. Yeah. So he's a keen watcher of culture, seeing trends emerge and what that means for us in terms of the ministry we're trying to do. Mm.
0: And he also tends to count Starbucks coffee combinations. I don't know.
1: I don't know <laughs> why he had that, but he had it.
0: Yeah, I couldn't
1: like eighty thousand different combinations. Apparently, apparently, there's eighty thousand different ways. And you know, it was their marketing guy that said that.
0: Right. Yeah. I don't
1: know who sat around and counted, but anyway, there it is. And you, like,
0: I've got to say, um, your combination is one that I've never. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to try it sometime because it sounds intriguing to me, but I've never heard like I don't I don't know anyone else who I can't even remember it. All I remember is that there's peppermint in it.
1: Yeah, well that's the that's the um americano. Oh, okay. I used to go in when I was desperate for a real kick mm. and get espresso and water. Right. I would chase the espresso with the water cuz oh, okay. it's bitter. Yeah. And then someone said, why don't you just get Americano, which is the same thing watered down. And I did that for a little while. And then yeah, I think it was around Christmas, mm. and they were doing peppermint everything. <laughs> so I said, sure, throw peppermint in there. Yeah. And I loved it. Why not? So now I drink it. That's too
0: funny. I was also thinking, I'm like, okay, if Starbucks has 80,000 combinations, I wonder how many Tim's has. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think people go to Tim's. I've often wondered if people go to Tim's and get, like, specialty drinks.
1: The thing for... And this is coffee, right? Oh, yeah. But the the thing about Tim's and McDonald's Mm -hmm. that disappointed me, when I heard that they were coming up with different versions of their coffee, Hmm. I thought, okay, that's good. But both of them went in the direction of dark roast. Oh, the dark roast, yeah. And I'm light roast. Yeah. I, I don't... I remember... Drinking Starbucks in the early days and getting dark roast and thinking that was great. And then I got drinking lighter roast and I'm like, whoa, there's your ticket.
0: Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, it can be a misconception, but dark roast actually
1: has less caffeine in it. Less caffeine and a stronger taste. Stronger taste. Lighter roast has a milder taste, but more kick. Oh, yeah. Because less caffeine is roasted out of the beans. Mm-hmm. Um, on light roast, so. And the best ever, when we were in Guatemala. Okay. (laughs) We took a team to Guatemala. I could drink that stuff all day. Really? We would start in the morning. Uh, Victor Vaughn and I were roommates for that trip, and we would go down to the cafe before anyone else was up, and they would just start bringing us Cafe Con Crema. (laughs) coffee with cream and we would drink that stuff oh yeah wow
0: too funny now um one of the reasons you brought that up in your teaching from this past sunday was because you were using that at least from what i saw you were using that as an example of this idea of there being so many choices Yes, and um, you sort of alluded to this, and we hear this a lot in culture: this all roads lead to heaven. You know, like of the eighty thousand choices you have at Starbucks, they're going to yes. lead you to, to, um, to heaven. And uh, and I mean that's something we need to be reminded of. Um, where you went with that with our Easter teaching, right? Because
1: well, because when you put that together with the with the other cultural trend, which is that we're now um in a world of relativism where there's mm. not objective truth there's only your truth and my truth right and it has nothing to do with objective truth right it has to do with preferences and it has to do with belief systems mm. and so when someone says well that can be your truth but it's not my truth yeah and i'm saying There's got to be room for an objective truth. Yeah. And when I'm confronted, I mean, there's no getting around Jesus' statement.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) I
1: am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes... Like, it's not... He says, it's harder to come to the Father without me, or Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of things he could have said which would have led us to believe... There are other options, but he didn't. Right. No one can come to the Father mm. except through me. Yeah. Well, that makes it pretty clear, doesn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: It's interesting too. I was reading this study uh, a while back, and give me pa- give me give me some patience here. <laughs> yeah. But it had to do with selling um, different types of. I'm pretty sure it was cheese,
1: mm-hmm. at,
0: a, at like a local the shoppers or superstore type thing. And uh, they did a test back to back where the first week they had like 70 different options of, mm-hmm. of cheese. Right. And the whole idea, what they were testing was people sampling the cheese and then how many people would actually buy of any of those different types of cheese. Sure. Now what's fascinating was that when there were less choices so the next week, so the first week, like, a, a wide array of, of Jesus, yeah, sure, right? Yeah, dozens of the, the percentage that was actually bought was minuscule. The next week, they only had, like, three or four. And it was skyrocketed through the roof. Hmm. And I thought, that's kind of interesting, you know? And, and we live in this age right now. Then and, and this might be me just kind of looking into things, but it's like... We have all these people like your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth, and it just kind of gives us this all wishy-washy
1: feeling that no one's actually landing anywhere, right? And I think you're right. I don't think people are landing anywhere. Mm. And it's reflected in the choices we make. Yeah. It's reflected in the priorities we have.
0: hmm
1: Oh, yeah. You, you say, well, you can't do that. It's not right. Well, who says it's not right? Right. And so, as one writer says, here we are, squarely, two feet plant, uh, planted firmly in midair.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That can't, oh, yeah. You hear that in today's world and you go, mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's neat. Well, Gord, um, Further into your teaching, you kind of uh, start to get at this idea of these three strands that you um, call or, or, say, make up a really strong rope. Yes. Which I, I really liked that analogy of, like, these three strands really working together. Yes. Right? Yep. And to create this single rope and this single strong rope, uh, which pulls the narrative of, of what's happening here on Easter. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, we can't get a response from our listeners when, when we're talking to them. But it, normally, I'd say, can you remember what what strand number one was? <laughs> you can write in if you want, but we're going to talk about it. Uh, so, yeah, strand number one, the tomb was empty. Right. Yeah.
1: Here Here's the thing. The, these things were said, these first two strands especially, mm-hmm. in the days immediately after... The resurrection right if you will the easiest time if they were going to refute it this was the time to refute it mm-hmm. everything was fresh witnesses were around if you've got some guy who says I saw them steal the body bring your witness mm. not that the Sanhedrin was at all shy about bringing false witnesses forward right but the thing is, it's in the day. It's a week ago. It's two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. The tomb is empty. Oh, yeah. If it's not, produce the body of Jesus. That's the simple part. If his tomb is not empty, produce his body.
0: Mm.
1: Well, somebody stole the body, and they moved the body. and. Oh, yeah. And, and so that was their logic over against... Uh, Guards who became like dead men, mm. and <laughs> oh, yeah, you know some some up to date in the moment. I uh, eyewitness news at eleven mm-hmm. kinds of produced the proof. Oh yeah, they never did. No, yeah. some possible explanations. I felt like you know at Sometimes with some of these people, you feel like you're in Men in Black. Okay. Where where, uh, people have seen this amazing stuff. They've seen some uh, alien life form. Okay. And they uh, uh, flash them with the neuralizer, oh, and, yes, then, yes. and then give them a new story. Give them a new Light story. Light was yeah. refracted off Venus. Sure. And, yeah. You no. Know, some cockamamie cock and bull story. Oh yeah, uh, as their new truth. Hmm. Yeah. And there's no doubt the empty tomb stands in history. Oh yeah. As unexplainable.
0: Mm. Almost like it. It's fascinating too, because when you start to dig into uh, the academic world. Of, of people who study um, not only Christianity, but um, first century Palestine, everything that was going on, you, you do quickly realize that there's some people um, who are like scholarly experts on this who actually aren't believers, but this, the empty
1: tomb, is like a thorn in their side, like right? They can't get rid of they it. They can't get rid of it. And you've got people who are searching around for ossuaries with bones in them mm. and saying, these are the bones of Jesus. They can't prove it. No. Yeah, And we are not told that Jesus' bones were ever moved into an ossuary, and no one can prove it. No one says, well, uh, he, he's there, come see.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the angels said, well, come see where he lay. He was right there. Mm. He's not there. Yeah. He's not here. He's risen.
0: Mm.
1: Well, if he was still there, produce the body. right? Because the bones in an ossuary... The, the bones aren't available till years after. Oh, yeah. When everything has rotted and you can collect up the bones. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, we're not talking like a couple days after. No, like we're is, not. You know. So,
1: in the immediate, show us. Hmm. Nobody did. Nobody could.
0: Yeah. Which then
1: leads us to strand number two. Strand number two was that he appeared. Yeah. Not just to Mary in the garden. Right. Not just to a few of his ardent followers. Um, years ago, uh, when I was doing Ph.D. work, I took a course in Roman Catholic theology. Okay. Now... It it's a bit complicated, so I'm not going down as to how they do theology. Okay, oh yeah, no, no. It involves the magis- magisterium in Rome, it involves individual theologians, it involves biblical scholars and their view of the text. Sure, and, yeah. Uh, there's, it, it's so multi layered. It would be ridiculous ridiculous to try to have that conversation. But I remember there was um, Edward Skillebakes, who mm-hmm. was a German a Catholic theologian.
0: Okay.
1: Who said, he was asked, what's the Roman Catholic view of the resurrection? Hmm. And he said, well, I don't know what it has to do with, but I do know it has nothing to do with the bones of a dead Jew in Jerusalem. (laughs) Wow. 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 Very uh, to the point. (laughs) So what happens is uh, all of these Roman Catholic theologians, Karl Rahner, Edward Skillebakes, others, Mm. all have explanations for the reaction of the disciples Mm. to what they, they would say, Jesus was not bodily raised. But here's why the disciples thought he was. Interesting. Huh. And here's why that preaching of the early days. When the simple truth was, these were simple people. Right. You had tax collector, you, you had fishermen. Yep. You had normal, ordinary people. Everyday people. Yep. Who saw Jesus. Post-cross mm-hmm. post-resurrection morning. And Paul says, listen, listen he he appeared to Peter and John and to the twelve. And, and so it wasn't and then he said, and to more than five hundred people at one time. Really? It was not these sightings that could be construed as, well, that's just the wishful thinking of some of his most ardent followers. No, no, no. He made it clear God never leaves himself without a witness. That's Mm -hmm. solid remnant theology. But in this case, it amounts to the fact that Jesus put himself out there so that a a wide range of people would have to say, I saw him too, me too, me too, me too. Yeah
0: well, even even just looking at the narrative and story of Saul to Paul, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a you can't you can't stand on the argument of, oh, he only sh- showed himself to his most devout uh, followers. Um, like
1: yeah. Paul Paul was looking to arrest Christians and jail them in Damascus
0: mm-hmm.
1: And uh, he got confronted, yeah, and it totally. Totally changed his life. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's uh, it's an amazing thing, and and I and I find it neat too because, you know, in the history texts and outside of the Bible, this this does it it gets awkward for people who want to fight against it, right?
1: Well, they they most often just get dismissive mm. and say, "Well, the followers of Jesus believe this." right and so a christian apologists over the years the especially those in the evidentialist camp people like josh mcdowell oh yes yeah and morrison with who moved the stone uh, they hang around there and while i would say well you can't you can't argue anyone into the kingdom or into believing you no, can't yeah. a- agreed mm. however their work in the area of evidentialist apologetics, mm-hmm. means that they have wrestled with the evidence. Mm-hmm. They've taken the evidence in, mm. they've debunked it, and their, their conclusion would be, therefore, mm. this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good work. Yeah.
0: It's one of the things I've always appreciated and I've always... Um, sort of counseled towards when when young people start to really get into apologetics is to say that I think it's very good work and it's it's good for followers of Christ to have that better understanding of those things that those authors and scholarly types have, have wrestled with on their own. Um, but, and you had mentioned it, you just had a quick little line there, we do have to remember like This isn't an arguing game of trying to get people, arguing people into the kingdom.
1: And you see, when I was young in my theological studies, people used to study McDowell in particular, evidence that demands a verdict and more evidence that demands a verdict and feel once they have gone through those books,
0: Mm.
1: well, it's like, so therefore,
0: right? Well, it's like, come at me type thing. Come at me, you know?
1: Whereas for Paul, it was an encounter with Christ that changed his life, mm-hmm. not evidence. Yeah, and so the evidence is good, but it is in the end uh, an encounter with Christ, mm. the life-giving Spirit, right. That will change them. Yeah. So I'm glad. I'm glad we have them. I'm glad we have their material available. I'm oh, glad sure. they have done the work. But there are, oh, and by the way, we sh- should just say for those who don't understand what apologetics oh, yeah. is, good, good comes from a Greek word, apologia, which means a reasoned, rational defense. Mm. So those who have a reasoned, rational defense. Right. Uh, think of Paul standing before Herod Agrippa. And he outlines his testimony, and um, Agrippa says to Paul, um, "You're almost persuading me to become a Christian." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because Paul has laid out a rational, reasoned defense of the f- of his faith. Yeah. So uh, that's the job of the apologist: mm-hmm. is to look at the evidence, to look at the competing evidence and evaluate them and produce a picture that will be helpful to our understanding. Yeah. And in apologetics, there are, there are presuppositionalists who start from presuppositions, and there are uh, evidentialists who just start with the evidence. Right. So I would say, for this part of the talk, hmm. we would hang around the evidentialists. Yeah, for sure. And if for there sure. was something I would have added in, had I had an hour, <laughs> was to just run through some of the evidentialist conclusions. Oh, for sure. And some of their thoughts. Yeah.
0: yeah. Put, putting you on the spot, would there be like a few recommended sources?
1: Um, well, I think the two I've mentioned uh, would be the best. And uh, I want to be sure uh, I have the name right, but uh, certainly Josh McDowell, Mm -hmm. evidence that demands a verdict and more evidence that demands a verdict. And I understand there is a new version of McDowell's material out there that I don't have. Sure, yeah. But it's out there. And now I'm going to just take a minute and uh, I'm going to get the other title for sure.
0: Okay, for sure. So this is one of the fun parts about um, doing the podcast. We actually get to record in Gord's office. And uh, for those of you who haven't seen Gord's office, um, I don't know if I've ever seen so many bu- books in one room. <laughs> uh, and I always tease him about when, uh, when he's going to start um, thinking about where all these books are going to go. <laughs> um, but I think he has a few plans. and um, But yeah they're very meticulously organized and there's many here that I want to take a peek at. Um, but here we go. Now he's got a stack full in his
1: hands and my office at home is not going to be able to accommodate all of these. So these (laughs) will be going. Okay. But uh, I mentioned Josh McDowell evidence Mm -hmm. and more evidence. And I think he's done a DVD set that accompanies that, but, um, a journalist's Incisive Investigation into the Truthfulness of Christ's Resurrection. It's called Who Moved the Stone. Okay. It's by Frank Morrison. Frank Morrison was an English journalist who set out to prove that the story of Christ's resurrection was just a myth. Uh, okay. And the more he dug in, yeah. the more he became convinced. So that's a good one. F.F. Um, F. Bruce is a classic...
0: Um,
1: New Testament in particular.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, taught New Ch- Testament at the uh, Manchester University of Manchester, England, and he has one called "The Defense of the Gospel in the New Testament." Nice. And then there's um, "The Easter Enigma" or "The res- Resurrection Accounts in Conflict" by John Wenham. Oh yes. Yeah. Now John Wenham is more known for his Old Testament work and Old Testament commentaries, but together all of those materials, mm. if you know, if someone went through them, there would be at least a decent accounting mm. of what the evidentialist apologists are saying.
0: Yeah. And you can, like, you kind of made the joke, if you had an hour, you can really get into the nitty gritty. Oh,
1: goodness. Yeah. There's lots of reading there.
0: Yeah. Lots and lots of reading. Um, which then, that leads us to our third strand. which yes. Which, it's an interesting one because it's a little more nuanced. Um, and I think you even kind of brought this up because you were even saying these first two strands, and then there's this this really fascinating one for the third one, and that's this new reality that Jesus has brought this this language of the first fruits and and Jesus um bringing in the full harvest
1: yes and and for reasons known only to God mm-hmm. He tasked Paul, mostly, with conveying the theology of it. Here's the thing. If the tomb is empty, Mm -hmm. and if Jesus has appeared to up to 500, according to Paul at one point, but many, many people, then the question that we would need to ask if we would dare ask it, I'm not sure if we'd ever dare ask it, <laughs> but if we did, it would be, so what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Why is this such a big deal? Mm. If, because God would not break in to human history in such a dramatic way mm. as to send, to come himself, his son, Jesus Born as a baby—that's the Christmas story. All of the story of his ministry, mm. the fantastic stuff that was, some of which was mentioned in the message. But then, but why? Mm. Because if it's that dramatic, uh, a, a break in into human history then there has to be a dramatic reason for it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And did God just send Jesus so that Jesus could say, ha, 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 I'm Lord over death? Right.
0: Yeah. Look at the, look at this thing that I did.
1: You thought you killed me. Ha, ha, you didn't. See ya. See <laughs> ya.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, no, there's, there's more. There, there has to be.
1: There has to be more. Mm. And so then Paul is the one tasked with saying, well, here's what that aha moment is. Mm. The aha moment is that we are united with Christ. Mm. Romans 6, we are united with him in the likeness of his death, so we'll be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. Our union with Christ has profound meaning for us. Oh, yeah. And I think I made the statement in the message that what it, from that point on, wherever Jesus went, he took us with him. Right. That's why it says he's raised us and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Mm. That is not my current reality. Right. But it will be. Right. Because according to God's perspective... It has already happened,
0: right? Which is it? It it's a hard thing for us to wrap our minds hard around. Hard
1: thing to wrap our minds around. You
0: even sort of um, talked about that in your reference from Second Corinthians four seven to fifteen, right? The, the you kind of got into this of like there's the reality we're in now, but then the few fu- the future
1: reality yes. that we have promised for us, and why we are kept in this future reality in the hope of the future reality Mm. so i have difficulties now jesus said i would but he said uh, you know the world he he said in different places the world hates me hates you well it hated me before it hated you right and uh, this trouble yes but peace i leave you Mm -hmm. not peace like the world has my peace yeah Jesus was not just overcoming death; he did overcome death, but in that he was gathering a people. Hmm. He was opening the door. He was making the way. That's where the language of first fruits comes. Right. And if you, if we were in a, a Palestinian agrarian society, we would understand what the the first fruits. Um, festival was all about it was at the start of the harvest when everything was ripe Mm. was ready to be harvested picture yourself in the Annapolis Valley hey
0: I'm there (laughs) there you are
1: a farmer walks through his orchard Mm. and he looks at the apple and he picks one and he bites it and said the harvest is ready that apple is the first fruits, yeah. And by it he determines that all of the rest is ready to go. Mm. So then he harvests the rest yeah
0: Oh, it's it's beautiful and I mean when you start to think of the big picture like, theological implications too of what's going on you could you could almost circle back to like the abrahamic covenant and you so like this idea of pulling a people out yes you know as that representation of of god in society and then you know you you don't have to read far into the old
1: testament to see where that went (laughs) yeah but uh, but understand that according to galatians the law, for example, mm. became the pedagogos, the schoolmaster, the tutor that would bring the people of God to the point of Christ. Right. To bring us to Christ. Mm-hmm. And yes, God understands he's dealing with people who walk according to the flesh and uh, people who have their struggles. Mm hmm. That all being true, he says, but nevertheless, they're mine, Mm -hmm. and they're coming with me. Exactly. Yeah. And so when Jesus came, he was the first of a whole new reality. From now on, God's people would not be subject to death. Hmm. Just like Jesus wasn't, none of God's people would be. Mm. and so he, he's the first fruits yeah
0: and then really then we we land with that question of what does that mean for us in our reality now because we just said it's our future reality it's affected our current reality but are we really living in light of our future
1: reality that would be the key question yeah and Christian maturity, we, we know that we're maturing Christ when the things of every day here mm-hmm. are not put through the grid, the strainer of forever. Right. For example, we ha- have all had people uh, April uh, of this year
0: yeah,
1: it's fifteen years since my mother died of cancer. Okay. So how hopeless is that? We have people all over the place who have loved ones who get ill, mm-hmm. and who are, who are headed to. Um, you know, they're terminally ill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm never more hopeful than when I'm at the bedside of a saint
0: mm-hmm.
1: whose faith in Christ says, This is not the end. Right. This is barely the beginning. Yeah. Because from here, I go home. Because remember, I'm part of the harvest of which Jesus is the firstfruits. Yeah,
0: to which and, Jesus started, yeah.
1: And death couldn't hold him, and it can't hold me. Mm. I'm going home. Yeah. And nothing can prevent it. Oh, yeah. When I, when I live, and we have believers who live in awful situations, and some of them are martyred. Some of them brutally martyred yeah. because of their belief in Christ. They get to say the same thing. Mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing footage of ten believers marched down to the beach and beheaded. Hmm. And the executor said, this is what the people of the cross get. Hmm. Now what they thought they were getting was beheaded. What the people kneeling on the beach thought they were getting hmm. was a premature trip to be with Jesus. Right. Yeah.
0: Still still sad, still
1: horrible, sad, still awful. Yeah, yeah. Horrendous. Yeah. But not hopeless. Right. Yeah. In fact, very hope-filled. Yeah. I'm glad you clarified for me. I'm glad you have declared me a person of the cross. And you're now going to take my head and I'm going home.
0: Mm. Yeah, and it's not to say it's an easy thing for us to oh, wrap our mind it's around. It's, it's... awful. I, uh,
1: like in watching the footage, it's oh, heartbreaking. Yeah. We, we shed tears. We say, just because they love Jesus. However... We've seen the end of the movie. Right. And the end of the movie hmm. is that their eyes close yeah. and open in the presence of Jesus. Because he was the first one to go. Right. And he says, all my people come with me. Right. All my people come with me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it, it really makes me, It's it's even challenging me in this moment to say, you know, um, living with that understanding, living with that hope of the first fruits, living with that understanding of being within the harvest, and 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 just even those words, "All my people come with me," um, you go, okay. how, how is that going to change? How is that going to change for me right now? And you know, it's like to God be the glory, and then I give my worship over to Him in that moment,
1: right? So let me ask you a question: mm. If, if you had a briefcase, and it was full of money, absolutely full of money. Sounds like a great briefcase. is that a great briefcase? Yes. Where can I get one? <laughs> Here's the thing. If every time you emptied it, it was immediately refilled, What would you do with the contents of the briefcase?
0: Yeah, I, well, I feel like you'd get to this point where you just want to be giving it away, right? Like, if you knew it was going to be filled.
1: If you knew it was going to be filled. If you knew that that wasn't the end of the money.
0: Mm, Supper's on me.
1: Supper's on me. Yeah. You can't pay your mortgage? Watch this. Your car's dead? Watch this. Yeah. Your kid can't go to university? Watch this. It, it totally changes the perspective on everything here. Mm. I see where you're going with this. See, when you live in <laughs> light of forever, yeah, people on a sandbar in a river in South America can say, take my life. Mm. Do it. And see where I go, right? It's powerful. Anything I have is temporary here. Anything I have there is permanent, eternal, whatever word you attach to it. Mm-hmm. and I can't lose it. It's awesome. A whole new. Spiritual reality.
0: So when we think of Easter...
1: we th- Everything changes there. Yeah. This is not just a commem- commemoration of an event that happened in a garden uh, 2,000 years ago. This is to celebrate the beginning of a new reality that I and you live in today. Hmm. And if you hear, by the end of the day, that Gord took a heart attack and is gone, remember my words. I'm gone. I'm with him. I am gone to where he said he would take me. Right. So sing some of my favorite hymns, (laughs) comfort my family. Yeah, yes. Well, I'm going to say, Gord, uh, and celebrate that what he said was true is true. Yeah.
0: My prayer for right now, though, is that I don't think God is done with you yet. (laughs) Well, well, we'll see. (laughs)
1: But you know, but that's when we say, what difference does it make? Well, the difference is, I can live in light of forever. Mm. Yeah. My briefcase never empties.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's a good. Uh, it's it's good imagery for us to wrap our minds around. Mm. So. In closing this out, I mean, I feel like you've already, you're, you're, see, I love it when we get to these moments where Gord starts preaching. Well, you know what, I got, I
1: got it. props, props, I got, I got to pay props. I remember being early at Atlantic Baptist College in uh, classes Okay. with Dr. Ralph Richardson. Oh, yes, yeah. And he would start teaching, and pretty soon... He was over into preaching. (laughs) Yeah. And when he did, we would lay our pens down and go to church. Mm. Because he was taking us to church. Oh, yeah. Now, I remember teaching Romans just in the last few years. Okay. Or teaching systematic theology years ago. Mm -hmm. And I would get going. And the... uh, the, the the mentorship for Al Richardson would would kind of take over, and the next thing you know, I'm preaching, and then I'd catch myself, and I would say, I was preaching they right there, wasn't I? And the class starts to laugh
0: because <laughs> I
1: expect they laid their pens down too. Oh yeah, 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 and,
0: yeah. It's a passion, and and it, it comes out. It, well, and...
1: it grips our hearts yep. when when we get it, and we say. So this, because we can pay lip service to this is temporary. Mm. But it really is temporary. Yeah. And what were, you know, some people say, when does eternal life start? Bit of a trick question. Some will say, well, when you die. Nope. Mm. John says that you may know that you have eternal life. This new spiritual reality begun at the resurrection is already mine in Christ. Mm. I don't have to enter into it. I'm in it. Right. I just don't know what it all will mean for me, but someday I will. Yeah. I'm preaching again, aren't I? It's okay.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, what how what would be your closing your closing words of encouragement or or um, just in this in this past Easter season, but man, like you're you're on fire
1: right now. You're going. I love it though. <laughs> <laughs> I I would love if I, as a believer, could be less attached to here. And more attached there. Mm. I would live life differently. Yeah. We all would. Yep. I think you're right. I think we would. Yeah. Well, amen, brother. Whew. We did it. I'm tired. (laughs) It's time for a nap. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks a lot for this. No, oh, yeah. This was this, fun today. This was good.
0: This was good, and we're gonna we're gonna keep going on. So next week, I'll be in your chair, and you'll be in mine. Yeah, I guess that's the plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we don't want to give too many spoilers. Not so. too
1: many spoilers, but
0: uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll yeah, be fun. We'll see you then. Okay. Thanks, Adams. Okay, thanks, Gordon.